This week's episode is sponsored by Visual Media Church. Visual Media Church is one of the fastest growing church media companies creating worship backgrounds, social media posts, stock video, stock photography, and templates for your media needs. Go to visualmediachurch.com slash church to sign up today, and when you do, use promo code creativechurch to get 20% off all their memberships. That's CRTV Church for 20% off. Go and sign up today. Welcome everyone to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and we explore the lives of prominent creatives. Today is Friday, May 25th, and I'm your host, Nick Gunner. Here with me today, though, is Emily Cummins. Hey, y'all. All the way from two hours north of me. And <laughs> to her digital right, my left, Ross Montgomery. All the way from the Rocky Mountains. All the way from yeah. the Rocky Mountains. Close to the... Now, how far are you from the Mile High City? I ask you this all the time, but how far are you minutes. away from... 15 minutes. So you're... Yeah. 15 minutes south of Denver. Do you travel a mile up or are you guys considered a mile high city yourself? Well, there's literally, I, I want to say it's like the 13th step on the state capitol is mm -hmm. the exact mile high elevation. Oh. So the, the part of our capitol building is literally a mile high. The rest of it is above. So that's kind of like whenever I go to Disney and I'm technically on the second floor of the magic kingdom because there's a tunnel system below on the you first could floor look at it that way that's that's kind of that's almost kind of how it is <laughs> but, but I, I promise you if you come out here and visit you will be thinking the air is real thin oh really because you're it... going to be a mile up oh yeah that makes I, sense yeah, well I'm, I'm i'm at sea level so yes. i would probably just die possibly <laughs> i would no. just probably roll i'd just probably suffocate the you entire time look like there. a fish on land <laughs> oh my goodness no they literally sell like little uh things of air respiratory things really? of air for people okay, like, who like oh. come to colorado just to hike you can go into a walgreens or a supermarket and um get this little boost can of air to take with you uh hiking and whatnot for wow. people who are not used to the elevation now emily i'm going to assume you probably will not understand the next reference okay ross i hope you understand the next reference okay essentially you're living on the set of space balls <laughs> <laughs> right because you, you had the cans of air everywhere? Is that what is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's uh, the Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have no idea we, we, what you guys have, are talking yeah, about. Yeah, just crack open a fresh <laughs> just crack open a fresh can of air and, and put it right up to our nose. Hey, that's, that's okay. Emily doesn't understand what we're talking about. That's okay. I'm gonna give her the chance to tell us something that we don't we don't we, know anything we totally about. Totally don't understand this. It was I hear it was the best suits and the crown crossover <gasps> ever yes oh my god okay did you guys watch the crown no yes i watched the first season i did i haven't finished the second season though okay so picture saturday morning we are literally living in a future episode of the crown like <laughs> this is amazing it was history <laughs> in the making um I don't know. You guys obviously did not wake up at 5 a.m. to watch the royal wedding like some of yeah, us. I'm never up at 5 a.m. for a wedding, so not well, even if that's it when beautiful. it ends. So tell us everything that happened at the royal wedding. Give us the recap. 
explain it to us like we're five because we <laughs> we don't we don't understand the royal wedding. Okay, so essentially, Prince Harry um, married Meghan Markle of the United States, and she was the actually I think she might be the first American to marry into the royal family. Wait, um, wait, we have an American in the royal family now. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. This changes a lot. <laughs> this changes a lot. Uh, I feel like I should have watched this wedding. Was your social media feed literally not like all over the place with the royal wedding? No. I, I had I, some I, smatterings oh, of the royal wedding. Oh, my goodness. Mine None was taken over. Would even, I, I mean, I feel like I've, my friends have all failed me because no one even said anything. I didn't even know it was happening. No, it was, okay, so it was history in the making. Okay. Obviously, it's the crown. You have, I mean, every little girl's dream is to become a princess. And so you go from Prince Harry was set up on a blind date with Meghan Markle, and now she literally has married into the royal family. Um, so it was just a fun wedding to watch. Uh, of course, everybody likes seeing what dress she was going to wear and the designer and all of that. And it just was a simple elegance. Um, the entire flow of the wedding was well put together. There was even this preacher who, I mean, he brought the word. I'm sure you can look that up on YouTube yeah. later and, and catch up on what he said. But I think the significance of the day um, and a lot of the posts that I've seen going around um, my Instagram is just to not give up on your dreams and to always stay true to be who you were made to be. Um, and a lot of people have just been, you know, praising Megan because even close up pictures of her, uh, her style for her wedding day was a little simpler than I think some expected. I think uh, people were expecting her to bring a little bit of an American flair to the wedding day itself. Excess, you and might she, say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some sparkle. Yeah. Um, but she kept her really simple. Her makeup was really simple. And the cool part of that is you really don't have to, you know, over accessorize yourself with sparkle to actually shine. And she shined so brightly. So you're um, saying there was no sparkle with the Markle. Ha, 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 ha. I think you're catching on. Ooh. You're oh. catching it. I think Ross just caught the wedding vibe. I think that's what just happened there. <laughs> um, real quick, though, Emily, I, I got a question. Um, I, I, like I said, don't know much about the royal wedding. How is How are the queen's feelings on having an American married into... Uh, the the royal family. I know. I've watched The Crown, and this is all I know yeah. about England. <laughs> <laughs> literally basing my entire so basing, entire right on basing everything off of the drama I saw in The Crown. So, so um, what I've read, obviously, I have not talked to the Queen personally about this, but um, I've read that she really loves Meghan. Um, Harry is, you know, close to her, and um, she was just excited to see him, you know, be with someone who makes him happy and makes him the best Harry he can be. So from everything I've seen and read, she's really excited. All lies, because if you've seen The Crown, you know that <laughs> all lies. See, Complete I think she's a very classy queen, though. Like, right, she true. had to lead yeah. through so many hard things. Don't even get me started on The Crown, because she literally wrote <laughs> Okay, I'll just stop. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. It's awesome. Female so, warriors. So, all the so way. let's talk about the name thing. I heard there's a name thing now. A name thing. Well, because Meghan Markle is an actress. Okay. I mean, is she going to change her name to? Oh, oh there's Meghan. a name debate. I've I've heard she's now called the Duchess of yes. Sussex. I believe. Yep. But 
I wonder if she just she just keeps her mega like do people have to address her like that all the time now like if she's on set people are like here comes the duchess like you know like what does that look like do you know and is she going to continue her acting career well she's still on suits as far as i know oh then I'm, i don't know that's still that's still an active show i believe it's Guys, picked I, up for an eighth season <laughs> i hate to drop some heavy heavy <laughs> oh, no. knowledge here Ooh. um but i did watch downton abbey as well and uh <laughs> <laughs> Nick, when you go over to the UK, um, I want to travel with you and just watch everything unfold just as you realize yes. everything melt. I feel like everything's going to melt. Uh, I'll be like, where's where's Downton Abbey? Where is it at? I want to see it. No, uh, but having seen that show, I do know that they uh, they do pressure you to address them now with their titles. But her being in. But I'm wondering, you know, because she's American now. I mean, not now, but she's American marrying into this kind right. of British tradition heritage thing. Like, is she's is she going to be kind of the non-traditional duchess who's like, oh, just call me Megan? Like, are her best friends still going to have to or are they going to have to call her duchess now? You know, I, I think being an American, I would definitely throw the title around from there. On. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, Nick, no, 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 no. I'm a duchess, y'all. I'm a duchess, y'all. Y'all stop. You better hold up. Well, you guys no. would be dukes. Right? No, I know. I'm or, just saying oh. that's what Megan would say. <laughs> we we told you as Megan. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I should have. Uh, I should have yeah. cla guys, clarified. I am. I'm kind of surprised you guys didn't watch this though. Still, I didn't. I, okay, this is. I, I came. I mean, I'm blind up until now. I didn't even know this was happening. Like, this is how blindsided I am. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody was talking about it in my group of friends. Nobody was talking about it online. Like, I feel like. And here's the here's the sad part. I wake up every morning and write news for creativechurch.com. <laughs> like that's this is why I'm surprised. This is this is bizarre world yeah, that I'm living for in right now. Someone that has their finger on the was, heartbeat of, you know, culture. Well, yeah, okay. Nick. Let's let's get something straight. It is the heartbeat of church culture, which means we don't get information until at least two months later. Oh, so you know, it's, it's, to, it's be fair, to be fair. Oh, <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> well, um, I, this has been great catching up with you guys. I, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I gotta make a transition now. Um, <laughs> let's just be awkward and call it out directly. And now we're making a transition and go. So, so listen, avid listeners of the show, you might notice we also took last week off. Um, we don't really have an off season for this show. Um, so sometimes we just have to take off a week recording cause we all, you know, we all volunteer to come here and do this every week. So sometimes our schedules don't line up. So that's why we weren't on last week, but we're back with full force this week um, and we have a great show planned for everyone today uh, a little later we're going to be joined by cole neesmith um, cole is the creator and executive director of the creative city project um, they have all the vowels in their name by the way mm, um, it's a them. creative community <laughs> all of them it's a creative community here in orlando that helps shape globe the global perception of orlando as a place known for creativity and innovation um, next up though is quips Well, welcome to Quips. Each week we dive into the headlines, articles, and conversations making their rounds on the internet that are important to us and that we feel is impacting church, culture, or creators, and we discuss it. Uh, Emily, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I have a question for both of you first. Love questions. Do y'all tend to be more positive or more negative? Like, are you cup half full or cup half empty kind of guys? I'm, 
I hate to say this, I'm probably a little bit cup half empty, dude. And uh, that's, I'm sorry. I mean, based on your opinion of the UK in general, <laughs> I can see why. Um, no, I, in general, I tend to be a little bit more half full. I mean, there's certain things like um, people driving that make me the half empty yeah. kind of guy. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah, no, in general, sure. yeah, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, try to, you know, turn a negative into a positive, especially with kids. You got to like, you did something really crummy and now I got to make this a lesson that's positive. So you kind of learn that as a parent. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you I on would, that. I believe in the positivity. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and I try to It just doesn't warm <laughs> your, your cold, dead heart. It does so well. Yeah, a little bit. No, I just, you know, I've, I have to be, uh, uh, um, uh, the hatchet man sometimes. Hmm. And so I get a little bit of negativity from being a little bit cold. Gotcha. Uh, but Emily, what about you? Are you positive or negative? Be honest. Cause we already know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, it's a weird, it's a weird thing with me. I'm a mix of both. I think that sometimes it just depends on what the cup is at that certain moment in ah. time. Yeah, oh. you, you follow me there. So sometimes I, I can deviate. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I was about to say, I love that loophole you just found in that. Well, that sometimes good. if it's something I'm like passionate about and I'm excited about naturally, like the cup's going to be half full and I'll be pumped about it. But if it's something that I wasn't personally excited about, then I have to be intentional with not looking at it as a half empty, um, but seeing fight, fighting to find the opportunity in it, yeah. which is, I mean, Emily Emily Fun. just hit an option to us. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, the Our friend Johnson mom wrote oh, a book. Oh, jeez. Mom would be And proud. she just hit an option to us. Yeah. Good job, Emily. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, so go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this is why I like this article by Craig Rochelle, because he's sharing that the power of our, our thoughts um, are really vital to who we are and who we're becoming. And um, this one quote he says goes like this. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So this is an article on their Open Network blog, and essentially he just shares his personal daily declarations, which was actually an interesting concept. And I think the first time I heard him unpack this was actually at a Catalyst one day when he was talking about daily. He which he everybody declares, should go to one of those if they can. Yes. Sorry. So also good. not a sponsor of the podcast, Continue. but uh, they could be. Just saying Catalyst. But he proclaims these declarations over himself every single day. And he, he poses the article with two questions that he asks readers to really wrestle with. And the first is what negative thoughts are influencing or hindering your life? And then the second question is what spiritual truths can set you free from those strongholds? Um, and those are really tough questions to sit with. Um, and they shed a lot of light on where your thoughts are currently yeah. and where you would want to move them towards. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the article is essentially a really long list of declarations. Um, it's broken into some of Craig's, like an example of something he would say over his life every day is Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. Um, another one he says is I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Um, and so there's a, there's a whole list. Then there's also an, a list um, that they've broken out of declaration ideas for women to say and then for men to say, which was pretty cool. So if you don't know, like, 
where to start, you could start there. Um, But do you have you guys ever done something like this before? Or do you practice personal declarations? I just always go back to the you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it. People (laughs) like you. Anybody, anybody? No, no. Well, where's that from? Okay, what is that never from? mind. That's from an old <laughs> SNL skit back in the day. So, anyways, he's a motivational speaker, and he always looks into a mirror and says that to himself um, on each show. But anyway, who is it? Who does it? Um, it was. Right. Uh, oh, I can't think of the name right now. It's slipping my mind. I can I can picture the the skit. I'm sorry. That's someone will know who are listening somebody, to this. Somehow, they'll be like, somebody I understand know. that reference. That's that should be say. our reply, all guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember Do you this SNL sketch? No, that's that's <laughs> going to be way beyond both of your times. Um, yeah, I, I just it's it's funny you brought this. Um, I just finished off for uh, this week. Uh, one of the daily devos is actually talking a little bit about this. Um, for those that don't know, oh, Creative Church, cool. Creative Church does daily devotionals that we send to your email every day. And uh, one of them was, you know, your culture is determined by your language. Mm, so whenever you yep. you are doing things um, and things are going bad for you, maybe you ought to look at what you're talking about, what you're yeah. saying, what you're declaring. Um, because the Bible does talk about that, um, our words being the life and death of uh, our reality. Yeah. Well, and I have kids, and so I'm not endorsing this movie at all. But if you've ever seen The Lorax... I do not like that movie overall because it has terrible writing, but um, in it they talk, they kind of talk about this like good versus bad, and and the Lorax is asking uh, the Wunsler, he's like, which way does a tree fall? And the Wunsler's like, uh, down. And he's like, no, it falls the way it leans. Mm. And wow. and like that's probably the best. So just spoiler <laughs> warning, that's the best written line in this entire movie. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, my kids watch it a lot and it just, every time that comes on, mm. I'm like, that's a really good point. So. That, yeah. is, that is a fantastic point. I don't, um, hate the Lorax like Lost does, though. I actually love the Lorax and I've seen it several times. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I suffer through it each and every time it's on repeat. Obviously. I obviously have horrible taste in movies. Um, yeah. My other favorite part in that one is, uh, if a guy does a stupid thing once, it's because he's stupid. It's because he's a guy. He does it twice. It's for a girl. And, uh, that's, there's some wisdom in the Lorax. You just gotta dig. It's a little, it's little bits of gold. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with uh, declarations. Now, that's real an quick, thing. I have a question for you, Emily. Okay. How long have you been doing the declarations? Because I know you do them. Every I know you do. I know you do. I <laughs> don't lie to us. I know you've been doing this for a really long time. Well, I would say more. I mean, consistently, I've probably been doing declarations for maybe a year and a half, two Boom. years. Yeah. And mine yeah. are uh, very, very simple, and they will not be shocking to you at all. But there's three. And if you read anything becomingme.tv or my Instagram, basically, this is all I write about all the time. But uh, one would be I am becoming. Hmm. The second, um, choose to be her. And the third, I am a warrior. That's really good. You could write nice. your, your own book on declarations. Those are really those are really solid declarations. Thanks. And I'm saying the word declarations, and every time I say it, I'm like, I'm messing up that word. Am, am I saying it correctly? <laughs> am I, I'm not saying that correctly. Um, no, I love that. That's awesome. Um, I have something for you guys today that I want us all to ponder on and think about. Uh, typically, I would bring something funny, but this study shocked me so much that I knew I couldn't bring anything funny. I had to bring this study. 
Um, and that is a study that was done by the Barna Group. Um, do you, are you guys both? I'm assuming you're both familiar yeah. with the Barna Group. Yep. Uh, they they kind of study the Christian culture things. Uh, but 25 years ago, they did partner with Lutheran Hour Ministries to research reasons why people did not engage in or how people engage in intentional outreach, what they're quoting as intentional outreach. Um, and then they recently did a follow up on that. Um, they followed up with everybody and they asked them the same questions and they saw what their answers were. Um, so in 1993. Just a few little quick tidbits from it. In 1993, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agreed that this was a responsibility of every Christian. Today, only 64% of people agree wow. with that statement. So it's, a, it's about mm. a 25-point drop. They kind of catalog this, uh, what would you call it? I guess it's a decline. It's a decrease of how many people are no longer thinking that or how many Christians, not people, Christians, church going Christians are saying it's not our job to share our faith anymore. Um and how churches are no longer preaching about or teaching about evangelism in their services. And wow. uh, I just I wanted to bring that to you guys and ask, um, I mean, both of you work for a church. Do, do your are your churches very heavily on preaching evangelism to the people or Yeah. No, I mean we're always kind of talking about you know, just more on the invitational side, uh, inviting your neighbors and coworkers to either church or an event or having conversations, um, not necessarily the, and, and to be honest, I'm a little um, divided on approaches, you know, method, mm -hmm. yeah. I guess, yeah, um, because I grew up very fundamental and I have a lot of issues with some of the harmful things that mm. were done with that. And I won't go into details now. It could be a whole nother <laughs> hour of talking about that. But I, I just think there were some bullish and pushy ways back yeah. in the day that the church did a lot of things. And, and they, you know, a little bit of the fear tactics, I did not like at all. And um, that kind of pushed me away from that method. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like having spiritual conversations or, you know, the whole like living a life so that people are kind of like, hey, like, why are mm -hmm. you so happy all the time, Emily? Um, you know, like, uh, what did, you know, what something declarations like that. are you declaring? Yeah, <laughs> no, but know. like, you know, just just like having an opportunity like, hey, what did you do this weekend? If you have a normal job or something, you know, they're like, oh, you know, just if you're serving at church, you could say I ran lights. I sang. I played guitar. I worked in the kids ministry or something mm -hmm. like that. Or, um, you know, just just different things like that. We've. I, I, um, in previous churches I've worked in, I've even heard of, uh, we would have the baptisms were quite an event and people would invite their coworkers mm -hmm. to their baptisms. And yep. it was incredible. Yep. And that was such a cool culture to see that, that people just invited their, their friends and coworkers to that. So I, I think method can be argued. Um, but I definitely think the conversations should be happening. I, yeah. I think yeah. it's an important thing, spiritual, um, Stuff and shouldn't be taboo. I've well, read the, I've gone through and read the study a couple of times. And part of, like, I'm not a big statistic nerd. I think I'm not a big statistic nerd. Um, I, I kind of see a lot of fallacies in statistics as far as how questions are asked and things. Um, that's the negative part of me coming out. <laughs> <laughs> or the honest realist. Or, or, yeah, or the honest realist. Yeah. But I just, I was looking at the studies and I was, I was thinking to myself, has it changed so much that we're not sharing or has the way we shared completely changed so True. much that we're question. no longer seeing 
like the way that they describe uh, evangelism uh, back then was kind of you would go to somebody, you would talk about the changes and benefits of accepting Jesus, and then you would try to convert them. Whereas today, more people are saying that uh, they are likely to ask another person uh, what they believe first and uh, what their oh, experience is mm -hmm. before ever getting into their own story. Yeah. It felt very debate heavy when I was growing up. Huh. Yeah. It, like you had the apologetics was very like, now be prepared to have them come against you and you need to prove them wrong. And oh, I'm like, yeah, eh, it doesn't seem like you're respecting people very much. And I yeah. think in some sectors of the church, I think some people still think it's a debate yeah. that we have to have with people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so I don't know how many times a week it, I might not see about the royal wedding, but I don't know how many times <laughs> a week I see um, how to defeat an, an atheist in two minutes or less. And oh, it's wow. like, why? Why would I want to defeat an atheist? Yeah. Like, that's not that's not my goal in life. Yeah. Um, but Emily, I feel like I'm not giving you the chance to answer uh, my first question. So, yeah, Emily, sorry. what, what, no, what, are you, what is your church doing in this realm? Absolutely. I mean, we definitely are. Um, I like how Ross had had stated. I mean, essentially, it's all about the why. And this is biblical. It's the Great Commission to go make disciples. But the methodology, like the how you do it, I think can change because it's all about best partnering with people. Um, and so at Church of Hope, our mission is to partner with people to discover in Christ we have hope. And we view Sunday mornings as, like in football terms, the huddle. Um, so you're coming, you're getting encouraged, but ministry happens all week long as you go back to your job, your family. And it's it's living that different kind of life, as Ross mentioned, to make people question, like, what's different about you? It's not shoving something down someone's throat or trying to convert them or whatever, um, but it's just shining from who you are. And then opening up those conversations, um, so sharing your story, asking to hear someone else's, um, that simple invite to church. Uh, one thing that we did last year that I love is uh, we I call it the Believe It, Share It wall. Mm -hmm. So our pastor was teaching and his big idea was Believe It, Share It. So if you believe, like if you believe that Jesus died for you, um, that you have hope in Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior, share it. Like it's as simple as that. And um, so that day, everybody actually had a sticky note given to them. And you wrote down on your sticky note the name of one person that you were going to pray for and that you were going to share Jesus with. Um, not in a preachy, like old evangelistic kind of way. <laughs> From the street corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, not with like a track in hand, but someone you're going to share it with. And then all those those names are on a wall actually in our auditorium. Um and it's really cool to see all the names and then people every week just praying for those names. And then um, the concept is when that person does someday um, discover hope in Christ for themselves, you would take that sticky note off the wall. Um, and then it's just a continual cycle. It's like always having new names because the hmm. other danger with church um, Christians at time can times can be you're not around unchurched or people who don't know. Yeah. Jesus at all. Yeah. And so then you're maybe you're not sharing because you're literally not around um, people who don't believe in Jesus, too. And um, so like our our pastor actually started um, his own company outside of being the lead pastor at Hope, literally just so he could get around unbelievers. Like just because you, you have to be intentional with it sometimes because we can get caught in our own church bubble and then miss out on what Jesus instructed us to do in the first place. I feel 
I feel like I live in a complete church bubble because that's all I ever do. <laughs> <laughs> clients and everybody. Clients, everybody. Yeah. You should just, you know, take a, a bullhorn with you when you go to Disney. Yeah. And just, yeah. Yeah, just start yelling on the in people's faces. Street, yeah. All yeah. the, all the, all the foreign tourists. Well, like I was, great. I was thinking, and this may or may not be a good thing, but I was kind of thinking about whenever Emily was talking, it seems that we've gotten more organized with mm. the way we share. Yeah. Um, whereas this study is kind of researching how an individual would share we've kind of become more organized. And I think about this with like my grandfather who I'll be walking around the store with him and uh, he'll walk up to somebody and just start talking about Jesus and getting saved and everything. (laughs) And it's just like, I'm just sitting there going, okay, this is the weirdest thing in the entire world. And uh, I'm stressed. Um, (laughs) And uh, I don't know what his conversion rate is, but uh, in my viewpoint, the times I've been with him, it doesn't seem very high. Um, But yet getting someone to a, you know, maybe a neutral space like a church or inside somewhere where they can be taught the word of God and maybe have a, a better foundation built in understanding of what that means. I don't know. To me personally, I see the benefits in that just as much as I see the benefits in going out to somebody and or walking up to somebody and saying, Hey, do you believe in Jesus? And, uh, yeah, here's how if well, you want and to. those, the uh, baptism shirts I mentioned, um, when I was at a church in Alaska, they, um, our, our shirt said decided on the mm. front and had this kind of watercolor looking drop of water. Um, and I had heard, I mean, people, we gave them the shirt when they got baptized and they could keep it, you know, people use it as a paint shirt, whatever. Um, one of them would just said they were wearing it around one day and someone literally stopped them in a grocery store and said, what, what did you decide? Mm. And so like, what do you do with that kind of green light? You know, it's like, I get to tell them, like what that means and what it means to me. I, I personally, I don't know. To me, I see such a huge benefit. And, you know, while it might be declining, declining the method, uh, the old method of how we used to do it, I see that benefit in having people approach you about what's going on versus you kind of coming to them all the time. Do, do either of you feel that way? or I think it's I, an and. Like, base? it's an and. I definitely, because you have to have depth of relationship to speak truth yes. into people, mm-hmm. too. Trust. and yeah. yeah. And I think then it's leaning into your discernment and really stirring up what is the Holy Spirit telling me in this moment. Um, so sometimes I've been with my dad at a restaurant, for example, and as the waiter is, like, taking our orders, um, he'll feel it out. You know, and if, if we've been chatting with the waiter, waitress, whatever, and sometimes he'll say something like, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to bless the food. Like, is there anything I could pray for you about today? Super casual. And I've never heard anybody like say no to him. They usually sometimes have pulled up a seat or like, actually, and then they like pour out something that's happening in their life. And the conversation never moves to like, well, hey, do you want to believe in Jesus or hey, come to church with us this weekend? It's just cool. OK, we'll pray for you. And then we pray. Yeah, it's not a light. It's not a light switch. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And the bait and switch thing, I think, is what Christians do a lot instead of just a genuine. What does the Holy Spirit want me to do with this person in front of me right now? Yeah. Yep. Right. Because, I mean, when Christ was here on the earth, his main goal was fulfilling needs yeah. of people. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he, he did. He did call us to be like him and to go into all the world and preach the good news. But he also called us to fill the needs of people. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think those open a lot more doors than on the street corners will and that's why and that's why i think there's a stigma when you hear you know evangelize or evangelicism mm-hmm. it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth because of the way it was mm-hmm. treated previously and you know it, while it the methods may look different it's it still has hopefully we can keep the heart behind it of like you said emily the great commission mm-hmm. and i want to i want to clarify if people if you're getting high conversion rates by doing just going out and just telling people about jesus 
I'm not down in it at all. Yeah. You know, if that's, no, yeah. if that's yeah. how, if that's, if that's if that's how God's chosen context, to operate through yeah. you, totally. by all means. Um, but I just, you know, I, I, I think that this, this study was definitely portrayed in a negative light. And uh, I was trying to find the positive notes in it. And, uh, Ooh. <laughs> Way to go, Nick. <laughs> Full circle. That's called a callback. Here's yep. a positive note. We're talking about it now and dissecting all the things you can learn from it. And now so many other people are going to learn from it, too. And guess what? I you can so. you can hit share on this podcast, and yeah. that counts as a conversion. So every time you share, <laughs> you're sharing the message of Christ. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. I'm obviously kidding. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, next up is our interview with Cole Neesmith. This week's featured interview is with Cole Neesmith. Cole is an experienced curator, actor, writer, musician, and speaker. He is the executive director of the Creative City Project, which produces Immerse, an annual performing and interactive arts event in the heart of downtown Orlando. Cole started the Creative City Project in 2012 to cultivate creative community locally and to help shape the global perception of Orlando as a place known for creativity and innovation. In 2018, the annual Immerse event will platform 1,000 artists for an audience of more than 40,000. Throughout the year, Creative City Project connects patrons with the best of arts and culture throughout Central Florida. As an artist, Cole has appeared in professional theater, works of classic and contemporary music, film, and TV. He also creates large-scale interactive installations and presentational elements for conferences, events, and brands. He is the author of two books and the host of a podcast called The Entrepreneur Podcast, a podcast that helps artists move from hobbyist to making creativity their career. Here's part of our conversation with Cole Naismith. Yeah, of course. I grew up uh, in the church as a worship leader, actually. So okay. music is my background and I've been playing music for a long time and, and still love it, although I don't get to do it as much as I used to. Um, toured with a band for a while after high school. Um, we would kind of do a dual thing where we would go and lead worship for camps and retreats and that kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. between all of that, we would uh, stop at clubs and play some original music and do that kind of thing. So I did that for several years and um, at the same time was uh, the creative director here at a church in Orlando. Um, at the time, it was a ministry called Status at a church called Discovery Church. And then a couple years ago, um, we launched out of there and uh, launched out as City Beautiful Church. So okay. um, the the nickname of Orlando is the City Beautiful. So that's what okay. it's all about. And uh, uh, actually, in August of last year, I um, went full time with the organization that we now have, um, which is the Creative City Project. So kind of, you know, whether it's through the church or whether through our arts organization, um, I really love creating meaningful experiences that gather people, especially around creativity. And so, you know, moving outside of solely the church context and into just the general creative community here in Central Florida yeah. has been a really awesome opportunity to see that really flourish and thrive. Yeah. How did you come about to see that as something needed within, like you said, the community of Orlando, like something that would be enhanced, I guess. Yeah. I, well, first, maybe uh, let me give some context for people who don't know what we're talking about. Um, so the Creative City Project is an organization that I started in uh, 2014 uh, with some friends, and we produce an annual, annual large-scale performing and interactive arts event in the streets and public spaces of downtown Orlando. 
And so we create meaningful, creative encounters that people can't have anywhere else. So we'll take a 100-piece orchestra, put them on a series of five stages, and allow the audience to stand among the sections of the orchestra for an immersive orchestral experience. We've worked with Cirque du Soleil and hung their acrobats from the ends of cranes while singers sing live from balconies on high-rises close by. Uh, we have a lot of interactive, technology-based stuff. Our event in 2017 had about 25,000 people at it, and it was a single day. And this year, we're moving to two days. For the first time, we'll have about 40,000 people, wow. and uh, we'll host over 1,000 artists. And so that's what Creative City Project is. And you know, there there's kind of a three-part thing to what we do. I really love artists. I love creating creative community. And so that's the first piece of what we do is really cultivating a thriving arts community here in Orlando. And, you know, there's probably most of the people who have listened are listening have been to Orlando and they have a very narrow perspective of, of what it is. You know, we as a city actually, you know, are pretty good at helping reinforce that singular idea of us being known for themed entertainment through, you know, the millions of dollars in ad spends that we do through Visit Orlando. So much of that media is focused on Disney World and Universal and mm -hmm. I'm a huge themed entertainment fan. I have a annual pass to Disney World. So <laughs> I'm all about that. But at the same time, you know, for those of us who live here, Orlando is something altogether different. Um, you know, from my front door to the front of the Magic Kingdom is about a 40 minute journey of driving and walking and monorailing. Uh, but there's a downtown where I live about a mile from. And, um, you know, this week actually is the Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival and mm. producers from around the world come and present their shows here. We'll have over 700 shows over the course of two weeks and sell about 25,000 tickets to that and return about $250,000 to artists um, and producers. So there's a thriving creative community here, which is really awesome. And so that first piece of our mission in, in con con conjunction with other organizations like the Orlando Fringe Festival, um, there's a lot of people here who love the arts and love creativity and That's are great. working hard to see that thrive. And yeah. we have, after New York and Las Vegas, uh, per capita, the highest number of entertainers and performers. And so oh. it really makes, we, we have a unique culture to be able to do something like what we do every October. And then the second piece of our mission is to really just help the people who live here care more about it. And so we talk a lot about a phrase I've already used, which is creating meaningful shared experiences that connect both artists and audiences, but audience members with one another. And as we create these meaningful experiences around art, um, I really do believe that it transforms the way people feel and experience our city. And then the third piece of what we do is all about transforming the global perception of Central Florida as a place known for creativity and innovation. Mm. And um, those things are here and those things are happening. But again, most of the people have a very narrow view of who we are. So we're focused in on cultural transformation by creating community for artists, by helping the people who live here love it more. And by helping those people, you know, the other six billion five not or you know six billion nine hundred and eighty nine million or however many people there are in the world, you know, <laughs> the majority of the world to to really begin looking at our city in a different way. Yeah. So, what does that look like in practice? Do you do anything outside of the annual event um, with local artists? Yeah. So a ton of my my focus and our team's focus is on our annual event immerse that happens every mm -hmm. October. Yeah. But we do a lot throughout the year as well. So 
um, you know, in, in line with that mission to help cultivate a thriving arts community, um, we just last week um, were kind of the leaders in hosting the three candidates for Orange County mayor for a conversation at our Performing Arts Center in downtown on the future of arts and culture in Orange County. For those of you who don't know, you think Orange County is in California. <laughs> Orlando is also in Orange County, Florida. Um, so we hosted those three or three mayoral candidates, talked about issues that are important to the arts. And, mm. you know, it was a, a honestly a political advocacy, you know, uh, yeah, opportunity platform. Yeah, to, to elevate the the conversation and the role of arts and culture in the electoral process and, and subsequently the governing process. So we're involved in some some advocacy, and then we're also involved in just helping the residents and visitors uh, to our city connect with arts and arts organizations. So at the beginning of 2018, we started producing a weekly segment called This Week in Art at 60 to 90 seconds, where we highlight three to four interesting arts experiences that are coming up across the, the region and uh, really work hard to connect new patrons to those arts organizations. So we're championing those arts organizations. And then we get to do some fun stuff too, like create some some interesting arts encounters outside of our annual event. So uh, for example, we've produced an event called Anthology, which is uh, a fiction meets uh, craft cocktails meets jazz music experience. Mm. So we had five short fiction writers write an original piece of short fiction we had some craft cocktail makers here in Orlando create original cocktails based on each of those stories. So, for example, oh, yeah. one was one of the stories was about um, this woman who met a man in a diner, and uh, so the the cocktail guy created a cocktail that ha- was infused with maple syrup and topped with candied bacon. Um, and then we created a live event where those readers uh, read their stories, and then we had a live jazz band who played music before and after and in between, and it was a really great opportunity for people to connect. So it's it's creating those cross-genre arts experiences mm. and, there, and thereby creating uh, arts experiences people haven't had before. What's been some of the favorite things that you've done previously, uh, some of the favorite uh, pieces or projects uh, that are a part of it? Well, I'll share a story way back to 2012. Okay. Um, and for me, this is like so, you know, quint- the quintessential story of how we've even gotten to where we are. Okay. And it's just by trying over and over and over again <laughs> and um, doing things that seem a little bit out of the box or, un- you know, undoable, actually, so uh, or unachievable. So Mm -hmm. in 2012, we were putting this thing together for the very first time. And it was essentially me just calling some friends who are artists and musicians and saying, hey, will you come and do something on a street corner? We didn't have any sound or lights or uh, our permits or any of that stuff. We weren't closing down roads. It was it was really simple. And on a whim, I called uh, the marketing director at uh, Cirque du Soleil show here in Orlando called La Nuba um, that was here at the time. And. Uh, and I said, hey, we're doing this thing every day during the month of October. That first year we did some, uh, just a little thing every day during the month of October. Would you guys like to participate? And so over the course of the next you know, couple weeks, actually, they pulled together about 25 of their performers. Um, I did a couple site visits out in front of City Hall in this, this plaza in front of City Hall. Okay. And then we ended up putting something together where they brought down 25 of their performers and just presented this like 45-minute original thing that they kind of threw together oh, in wow. a few weeks featuring all of their performers. And... Uh, you know, several thousand people came out. It was during a lunch hour on a Friday. Oh, wow. And it was, that was the first time where I was like, oh, maybe this could 
be something. <laughs> yeah. And they, they continued to be one of our partners um, for the duration of their time here in Orlando. Um, that show, La Nuba, closed in, at the end of 2017, and they're actually currently workshopping a new show that should open hopefully next year so we're excited to to restart that relationship oh, with them cool. but uh you know the in 2014 we took one of their silks performers and and hung her from the end of a crane which was definitely a sight <laughs> to see just like yeah. over the middle of the road and yeah. you know the main thoroughfare that runs through the middle of downtown orlando and uh, there's just so many stories of la- last year, a group of artists created something called Dear Citizen O, where they literally built a post office in the middle of the road. And they invited people who came to our event last year to pick up a clipboard and it had this really great stationery on it that they had created specifically for it. And they just said, write something to another person who's here at this event. So people would write a letter and honestly, like you'd walk by that installation during our event and most of our event is loud and vibrant and, but there were people like down on the curb, just like in that paper, writing, writing, Mm -hmm. writing, writing front, back, like filling the whole thing. And then you'd go and you put it in a slot in this post office and then they had several dozen old post office boxes that people would open up and there'd be a letter that somebody else had written in there that they would take. And the stories that I've heard from that have been so incredible of people who are just so moved by the letters that they pulled out of those boxes. And again, back to that idea of like helping the residents of our city care more about living here. Like those were significant experiences for people who even, you know, now we're six or seven months away from the event that we had lost last October. And people are still telling me stories when I see them of like, what was that letter thing? I remember, like, I still have my letter because I pulled it out and like, it spoke totally right to where I was in my life. Yeah. So it's moments like that that really stick out to me. Yeah. Do you ever feel like there's uh, any pressure to try to either you've set the bar so high last year, you have to do it better next year, or do you, you just try to do it different enough that there's going to be a completely different experience than last year? Yes to all of it and no to all of it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't honestly, I don't, yeah, I I don't feel pressure to, to one up from last year. I think it's an exciting challenge for our team. So there are a lot of things that we feel pressure about, but we're always dreaming bigger than what we're capable of doing. So, you know, one upping last year is purely a financial thing and that's where the pressure comes in. So, you know, I spend most of my time and and maybe this is a good, a good word for everybody listening is like, you know, I started this because I care about creativity. I care about making awesome artistic experiences. Well, I spend probably 90% of my time thinking about money and where it's coming from. And so it's just one of those things where uh, you have a dream, you have a passion, it turns into realizing and I think this is true for every dream or passion eventually you realize that like 10 to 20 percent of what you do relates directly to doing the things that you're passionate about and then 80 percent of what you do really is all of the other logistical things around it yeah that that are just required to do anything and like even this podcast like you and I are having this conversation I'm assuming you'll go away and edit edit it for a little bit and you know pull out the good stuff and throw away the bad stuff and it's just (laughs) one of those things where it's like yeah, if you've ever made anything, you realize that there's a lot of sweat and and sometimes some blood and a lot of time that goes into it. And, you know, a, a tenth of that is yeah. the stuff that really you love, you love the most. So anyway, when it comes to pressure for me, that's where the pressure comes in. I, I'm in okay. a better place now, but for a long time, for a couple of years, I was just in a place where there would be months at a time where I would wake up before my alarm 
because I just felt this weight of having to find the money that we were going to, you know, bring in to make this thing happen. Because for 99% of our audience, everything that they come and experience, they come and experience absolutely for free. Um, and then we have some other experiences that are ticketed, but those are like VIP experiences and dinner experiences, mm. things that we love doing, but you know, a small percentage of our audience is actually doing that. So I, um, you know, I navigate that road and that's hard sometimes. And I, um, and I, I think I'm in a much better place with it, but it, yeah, it's definitely been a pressure at times. Yeah. I mean, definitely you, you're getting the value of what's going on across. I mean, it's gotta be incredible to kind of as you said, bring those artists and different um, creators from different spaces together uh, can probably just provide this well of inspiration for you. But what are some things on an individual level as you're planning each year, as you're, um, you know, connecting people throughout the year that keeps you motivated and going? Hmm. Motivated and going, man. <laughs> I, I first of all, I think it is just the decision to do so. Okay, um, I, man. I, I don't. I don't know if I can stress that enough for anybody who's Make trying up your to mind. start. Yeah, start or do anything. Like, put an objective in front of you and realize that it's like potentially years away, and and work every day to make it happen. Like, one of the things that I've really come to is this idea that there's there's I need to figure out the one thing I want to do. And then I need to figure out the three things, the three categories that I need to give my time to every day to make that one thing happen. Mm, yeah. So for me, it's like we're we're doing, you know, we have a dream for 2020, which is a four day event that platforms national and international performing and interactive artists for an audience of 100,000 people. And that's a lot of work. And that's just honestly a really short time down the road, um, 2020. And for me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to do that, what's it going to take for us to get there? And for me, it's these three categories of, okay, I need to really work on our corporate strategic partnerships because that's where a bulk of our income comes from. Yeah. And then I need to work on the promotion stuff. I still have my hands directly on promotion and advertising and then the creative component. And those are the yeah. three things that I give my time to every day decidedly, even when I don't feel like it. I, I know that I need to do stuff. If we're going to achieve 2020, I know that I need to do stuff in the, in, in our corporate strategic partnerships, promotion and advertising and creative outreach. And, and that's just honestly, that last part is also for the health of my soul. <laughs> yeah. Important to keep the balance there as you're, like you said, kind of, you got creative side and administration side, mm -hmm. um, logistical stuff that you have to deal with. What's been the best thing that kind of helps you keep that balance in a hmm. in a practical way? I think the answer is different for everybody. So I'll okay. talk about me, but I yeah. don't know if this is yeah. a prescription. And for me, like the thing that refuels me is connecting and spending time with people that I really care about. I spend a lot of my day with people, um, but they're not necessarily the kinds of relationships or the, or the people who are the ones who refuel me the most. Okay. And so I am, I try to be really strategic about connecting with the people who really give me life. And a lot of that is like one-on-one -on -one or just a small group of people. Um, I'm pretty introverted. And, you know, if I go into a party, I'm much more likely to huddle up in the corner with one or two people for an hour and a half than I am to work the room. And I spend a lot of my days kind of proverbial work, working the room. 
Um, but I need to get away and I need to spend like more intimate time with just a few people who really can challenge me or inspire me or just be with me and, and care for me. And so for me, that's what really helps me keep the balance is making sure that I'm not filling every hour of my day with work, but leaving these moments to connect in meaningful ways with people I care a lot about. As you focus on kind of making this a very lively local arts thing, and like you said, with the vision to eventually have international um, and nationwide artists come in and um, contribute to it, are you doing much to get the word out um, beyond Orlando now, or have you just kind of done, done that as you see organically growing with it? It's both. Yeah, there's okay. some strategy around that, but most of it is people who come in from out of town and then go back to their, where they live and tell people about it, which is really so awesome. Come with me but, next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so we worked with Visit Orlando last year, um, and they were they were really great. Uh, and they ran a campaign for us up in New York. They were doing some stuff around kind of interesting things in Orlando around the uh, the weather report in December, January. Uh, no, sorry, in October of um, uh, October of last year. And so it was cooling down in New York and, you know, Visit Orlando does these campaigns every year to say, okay, as it's starting to get really cold, come to Orlando and hang out. So they did a campaign with mm. us and used a lot of our video footage and talked specifically about our event, which is great. And really it comes down to these kinds of partnerships of like yeah. just finding people who really resonate with what we're doing and care about it. And they were so gracious and generous to, yeah. to do that with us. Well, so it's encouraging some, when the city yeah. comes around you like it has. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no way. And, and this is interesting. Like, you know, I, I have also some of the logistical stuff that I do, like meeting with the traffic control department and the fire department and the police department. <laughs> and over the oh, course yeah. of years, getting to the point where they're, they're saying, okay, we get what you're doing and, and we'll say yes. And, you know, the mayor's office and the downtown development board in Orange County, like all of those people are our partners and there is 0% chance that we could do what we're doing without them as partners. Because we're literally closing streets in downtown Orlando this year for four days. Yeah. What, what has been some of the interesting things to come out of those um, interactions and partnerships with the city and maybe people that, you know, aren't as... Um, creatively bent or that mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't necessarily normally think of as a, you know, creative partner. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I, I, I see a lot of my time in my role as an educator. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, even people in, in higher levels of, of government who get the value of cultivating cultural activities and events because they understand it as a driver of economic impact and mm -hmm. um, they see it as culture building. I mean, you look at something like South by Southwest in Austin, yeah. it has radically transformed the global perception of the city of Austin and, you know, businesses are moving there, people are moving there. And a lot of that is directly tied to the impact that South by Southwest has had on the city. Yeah. So people are the, at the upper echelon, even of, of kind of local and regional government here, they get the value value of those things, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily directly understand the investments that, that are required in order to achieve them. So the city of Austin every year puts in a ton of money to actually helping facilitate uh, South by Southwest happening in their city. And they see it as valuable because they see all the things that it does for the city. They also have, you know, South by Southwest West has a direct economic impact annually of that of a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just these things that government gets, but they don't also then simultaneously understand. And this is what it takes. 
So, you know, I've had some conversations that are essentially, hey, we can either have a large scale arts event that impacts our city from, you know, people around the world coming here, or we can have smooth flowing traffic. But we just got to make a decision. You tell me and I'll determine whether or not we'll keep doing this thing. Because if you're not on board, if we can't say that we're on board in this together, then there are just some things that my hands are tied on. Like I can't just decide one day I'm going to close the streets. Like they have to be on board with that. And so um, it really is the process of saying, okay, like, you know, we're talking about South by Southwest. We're talking about Art Basel in Miami. We're talking about the impacts that those events have on their city. Well, yeah. you know, it takes an hour to drive a mile in Miami Beach during Art Basel. We just got to understand that that's a reality of it. So, you know, it's it's just kind of the 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 long, slow process of, of patience and collaboration and sometimes yeah. education. Oh, yeah. Leading with unity, I'm sure, is very helpful in those situations. Um, did you do a lot of research with things like the South by Southwest and the Miami event to kind of see how they handled things to be able to educate as well? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of my time as a student of of large scale, you know, mm-hmm. urban experiences, whether those are conferences or events or um, this whole thing started for me in 2009. I was in Valencia, Spain, and they have a festival there every spring called Las Fallas, where they build these statues. There are several hundred statues all throughout the, the streets and, and plazas of the city. And the last day of the festival, they set them all on fire. And oh, there's wow. tens of thousands of fireworks going off in the sky, and a million people come to the city. And uh, like the main statue in the middle and the main square of the city is about 90 feet tall. Flames are going 150 feet in the air. It's just this <laughs> like amazing experience. And it really comes from the community, which is actually one of the coolest parts about the whole thing. And uh, and that for me was the genesis of this like idea of we don't really do this well in America. Like you hmm. can you can pay $1500 and go to Coachella for a week out in the middle of the desert or you can go to Burning Man also out in the middle of the desert, but as far as these like urban you know place centric experiences, we don't have a lot of them. Yeah. And there are a few examples that are more like conferency like um like South by Southwest or yeah. but still a really high dollar ticketed experience. And there's a lot of peripheral stuff that's sprung up around it, which is awesome Um, for people who don't even buy a ticket to South by Southwest. They can just go to Austin and experience some cool stuff. So, yeah, I've spent a lot of time researching stuff like this around the world and saying, how do how do they do it? Like the the city of Ottawa just had their 150th, I think, anniversary. And they had these two giant puppets that had 35 puppeteers each and they were, they were hoisted up on cranes. So there's these like, you know, they're 60, 70 feet tall, these puppets. And they started at two opposite ends of the city of Ottawa. And over the course of several days, they made their way to the center of the downtown where they like, it was a dragon and a spider and they had this war essentially. Well, the city of (laughs) Ottawa closed something like 17 miles of roadway over the course of four days. And so you know, it's just, it's knowing that kind of stuff. Like, of course, there's tons of pictures all over the internet that are this giant spider spitting water in this flame breathing puppet dragon. It's like, that's amazing. <laughs> but then it's like, okay, well, how much money did that cost? And how many streets did you have to close? And for how yeah. long? And, you know, those are the things that, that our team has really had to dive into. Yeah. Yeah. You can't forget about the details for sure. Yeah. Uh, have you seen 
any kind of, as you were talking about kind of the economic benefit and boom, have you seen some things come out of the Creative City Project with um, Immerse and what's come out of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's the the micro stuff that okay. is happening at, at the level that we're at right now, which is, you know, for this year, two days, there'll be an influx of an additional 40,000 people in the downtown core. So it has a direct impact on the businesses in downtown Orlando yeah. in a positive way. Um, you know, as far as those like culture shaping stuff, the mm-hmm. global perception of Central Florida kind of things, you know, we're officially four years old. South by Southwest is 30 years old. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're still pretty young in this whole thing. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of anecdotal stories. You know, we have a partnership with the University of Central Florida and one of the people we work with there. Um, she said, yeah, my niece uh, moved to Orlando in, in August, and she kind of hated it for two months. And, <laughs> uh, and then I brought her to Immerse, and her perception of living here radically shifted. Wow. And she loves living here now. Yeah. And, you know, those are the kinds of stories that I hear, you know, sometimes on a weekly basis of the anecdotal stuff that I think yeah. over time kind of amasses into collectible data. Yeah, some kind of statistical analysis. Yeah. As much as creators might not want to do that. <laughs> well, and a lot of creators have the luxury of not having to. We, unfortunately, you know, we have to get a lot of people on board with yeah. what we're doing. And so some of the people who love spreadsheets and numbers and those kinds of things really respond to that stuff. Um, as obviously these are big scale ideas and projects that you're working on, Um how have you dealt with failure? Like if something that you had happen in the event just didn't go the way that it felt it should, or um, might've just missed the mark by yeah. whatever measurement you were using. Um, how have you handled that? It inevitably happens all the time. Yeah. So um, that's one thing. I just like acknowledge that it it's going to happen and um, hope that it doesn't, but acknowledge yeah. that it will. Like last year we built this really tall wide and long scaffolding structure and covered it in this translucent fabric and put this like uh this projection installation that used six projectors in the round it it was super awesome and we did it first in this like pitch black parking lot at our production company's uh office and it like we had a a kind of a, a preview party and a ton of people came and it was really awesome well then we took it downtown and we built it and then we realized that we built it right next to four really bright street lights and so the light permeated into that thing and we had put a ton of time and energy into making it and we had all this equipment in there and these projectors and stuff and all night long, nobody experienced it the way it should have been experienced, which mm. was in complete darkness. <laughs> and so yeah. it was like, well, that's a bummer. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, we, you know, we had 25,000 people down here and we had several hundred additional experiences. So we're grateful for those. But yeah. that was, that was unfortunate, you know. Um, and I think my, um, my struggle with it is when something negative happens, Mm -hmm. uh, learning to put my attention on the right stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so a hundred great things can happen. One Mm. negative thing can happen. A hundred great things could be said. One negative thing could be said. And I so easily can become transfixed on the one negative. Yeah. And so for me, that's the challenge is when we have failure, acknowledge it, learn from it, hopefully laugh about it. And then uh, move forward and allow it to be in the past and not yeah. transfix upon it. No, that's, that's yeah, that's, that's difficult for me to do myself as well. Sure. I can, I can let the one little thing and 
the hundred other things kind of poison how I view it from yeah. then on. But yeah. And then get back up too. Yeah, oh yeah. So there was this, and this is unrelated from Creative City Project, <laughs> but you know, I, a friend named Josh and I built this sculpture. It was like the first time I tried to do any public art kind of stuff. It was this 20 foot tall tree and we um, built it in a, a business plaza downtown and we had this crew of people working overnight to make it happen. And uh, it was a sculpture that was like this aluminum frame and it was covered in recycled and reclaimed wood. And it, it was a cool thing. And it had these lights on it and that kind of stuff. So the sun's coming up. We've worked all night long. We're all really tired. And um, one of the guy like leans back, one of the guys who's helping us build it leans back on one of the branches and he's up in the air on this thing, 20 feet in the air. Well, he leans back on the branch and one of the welds that the welding company that we had hired to build this aluminum frame, it snapped and the, oh, one no. of the branches fell down. He fell down with it. He went to the hospital like it was such a bummer. So we oh, immediately wow. took the whole thing down and that thing sat in pieces in my backyard for like a year and a half. And it was just covered in this black plastic protecting it from the rain. And I didn't even want to look at it. I didn't want to think about it. I cried that night like it was just yeah, it was exhausting and about a year and a half later, we put it up. We actually had the welding company fix a bunch of stuff and rework how the, the, the load, the loads and the weight and that kind of stuff were distributed and that kind of thing. We worked with an architect to make sure that they did it right and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so that was a big learning experience. And we put it back up and um, for this, actually it was for the, the Orlando Fringe Festival that's now happening. So this was in 2000 something, I don't know, several years ago, we put it up and um and a guy from Denmark named Rico Vorberg saw somehow through the internet that we had put this thing up and he sent me an email and he said, Hey, every year our city here in Denmark puts up a Christmas tree in the main plaza of our city. But this year they, for I think budgetary reasons, weren't going to do it. And so me and some friends got together and we want to build one of these tree of light things in the main plaza of our city. Can we do it? And I was like, of course, absolutely, please. Yeah. So they built it and then they kind of put a spin on it, which was really cool. They actually had people from their city bring light bulbs and they screwed those light bulbs into the the dangling outlets on the tree. And then they captured the stories of those people who brought the light bulbs and they told those stories, the stories of the people of their town. And if Josh and I just would have left that tree in my backyard covered in black plastic, you know, it would have never resurrected here in our city but it also would have never been seen by rico and his friends and they yeah. would never would have built that and they wow. wouldn't have told these stories and it's just one of those lessons where it's like all right that sucked like sorry cole sorry josh sorry life sorry city sorry to all the people <laughs> we had spent spent money and time sending invitations to who were planning to coming to the coming planning to come to the opening of our tree that night like sorry to everybody here we are a year and a half later. Okay, it's time to move forward from this. Let's build yeah. this thing the right way and bring it back to life. To find out more about Cold Me Smith, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All. Each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group and on Facebook. A couple of weeks ago, we asked, uh, what would you do if you could retire early at the age of like 30 or 40? Um, here's some of our favorite answers in no particular order or reading. 
Well, what I, one thing I noticed on the reply all was you guys kind of are starting your own little never retire club <laughs> over yes. here. Yeah, the never so, the hashtag it's hashtag never hashtag retire. never yeah, retire. Fine. The hashtag never retire movement. There's going to be a group is, coming um, out soon. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's I'm a lot of these. Well, we had um, TK Spencer say um, they want to do what they want, regardless of if it could sustain a living. Mm. Uh, they'd love the opportunity to dedicate the time needed to becoming proficient in something or even see if they like it without worrying about essentially working two jobs and making sure their family is taken care of. Mm. Very good. Which could good. Be, yeah, that sounds really, really neat. Good job, TK. Allison said, um, there's a house for sale on, let me see if I get this right, <laughs> Wiki Wachee River. Is that right? Sure. Florida? Why not? Okay. I'd say Wachee, I'd say Wachee just because I know Wiki Oklahoma Wachee? has a lot of the Achies. Oh, well, here's Oklahoma has the Achies, okay? Like Miami is in Oklahoma. It's Miami down mm. here. So it's, yeah. it's a change in, in the way Wachee. it works. I um, but anyway, it doesn't matter because we're probably just completely butchering whatever. It <laughs> Sorry, Allison. So it doesn't even matter how we do it. <laughs> but she says she'd buy and this this house that's for sale and then sublease the rooms. And she'd focus on growing her family, focusing on them as much as possible, and also focusing on art, like sculpting, pottery, painting, um, those kinds of things. So that's pretty cool. That's a, that's That's such a great vision for your life post-retirement. Yeah. But... One of my favorites comes from Sarah, who said, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what I did when I became an S-A-H-M, which I don't know what that stands for. Stay-at-home mom. Oh, oh stay-at-home mom. Oh, I was wondering what that meant, too. Oh. Well, Thank congratulations, you, Sarah. <laughs> 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 she said, it's not It's not all it's cracked up to be. Retiring early sounds boring. Mm, there you go. Welcome to the Never Retire <laughs> movement, Sarah. Yeah. Appreciate you. And we had someone, we had April say medical missions. Oh, like, yeah, that, yeah. Would be that was cool. Really cool. Silas said, like, travel more, volunteer at my church way mm. more since I wouldn't have a job, start a soup kitchen, and start a clothing brand. Like, that's a... Very ambitious, Silas. And then hey, on the he's other, doing a lot after retirement. On the <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Brian says he would sleep. Oh, Brian, man, there's more to life than sleeping, bud. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get you. Some people, some people just want the simple want things. Sleep. Yeah, sleep. Well, anyway, you can go join in on that conversation. Just head over to our Grave Talks group on Facebook. That's CRTV Talks. This week, though, we wanted to ask because there's a movie coming out this week, and we kind of do this when movies that are important to us come out. Um, there's a movie coming out this week, and if you haven't heard of it, um, don't be completely alarmed because everyone in the fan base is a little nervous. Uh, it's called Solo, a Star Wars movie. Um, now, Emily, I know you don't know about Star Wars, Sorry. and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we'll forgive you. Um, <laughs> if they could have Oreos shaped like Millennium Falcons, I would be down. Oh, my gosh. And so would Emily. And that cool. would be the connection right there. What's a Millennium Falcon? Okay, oh, my gosh. You're, you're no, kicked off no, the podcast. No. Emily. Oh, <laughs> my God. No. But I, I genuinely don't know what that is. So. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Um, you're gonna have to go down the Google rabbit hole shortly <laughs> oh. after this podcast, Emily. Sorry. Um, this is. I mean, oh. our hearts are hurting very. You wounded us deeply. But this Emily. this beautifully came full circle because at the beginning of the podcast we talked about That's how Emily watched her old wedding she and we had no us. idea. She schooled us on the. Now here we yeah. are, attempting to make sure that we know more about Star Wars than Emily. So our question <laughs> this week is, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, and why real quick, Ross, which is your favorite Star Wars movie? 
Oh man, I already We've went over this, this on the pop culture this the last season. Yeah. Um, we haven't done I'm, it on this show before, but we've, we've I don't had think we have episodes. on this show. But yeah, I've I've really been enjoying the new ones, and man, I don't know. I to be honest, I think there was a lot to love about the Last Jedi, and it's it's quickly becoming up there in my top spots. But my my like heart goes to Return of the Jedi, and I know mm. that's not Empire Strikes Back, but it's one of the 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 ones that really solidified like my whole imagination of being in the star Wars universe. Um, my, the speeder bike is like my favorite vehicle ever. Um, you know, I can take or leave the Ewoks. They're cute. They, you know, band together to help, you know, take down stormtroopers here and there. So, um, you know, it's the one that really just, you know, sticks out from my childhood. So that's probably my favorite. That's awesome. Emily, what Star Wars movie have you seen? <laughs> the one she hasn't seen yet. Well, I've seen two of them. Perfect, perfect. So um, you get to pick. I think I've seen number three. Is that the one that people tell you to watch first? The Wait, third one? which number three? Uh, Is it like old, like from the yeah, 1970s? Yeah, like really old. Oh, oh so you're, you're talking, talking about episode four. four. Okay, so episode I've seen four. that one, and okay. then I saw a newer one where a girl was like the lead. Was that Force Awakens? Uh, was it Rogue One, maybe? I think that's what one. it was. And I Force really Awakens? liked that because... Yeah, Rogue One yeah, is good. I, Rogue, yeah, so there you go. Did, were they blowing up a Death Star or trying to? Was a Death Star blowing up Did something? they have a large black robot? The only thing I remember was that it was a female lead and she was like a, <laughs> a female warrior person. And that's when my friend was like, oh, we'll watch this one because that's the um, only way. Emily, they could you get need me to get a movie it. pass and go see more movies is what needs <laughs> yeah. to happen. I uh, see real... a lot of movies, just not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and decide for you. Rogue One was your favorite, Emily. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Emily's if you saw Rogue One, Rogue Wait, One was your favorite. Good. Okay, how many Star Wars movies are there? Oh, oh my gosh! Well, with this edition with Han Solo, with Solo, um, we're looking at ten. Oh, ten. This will be ten. There's yeah. so many. Yeah, wow. there, it's it's like it's like the Avengers, which the Avengers only. I have. mean, we don't talk about episodes one through three. That's just common knowledge. Oh, so yeah, any of the original only... trilogy and the newer stuff, you're good. Wow. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys mine. It's Empire Strikes Back. Um, no surprise there. I love Vader. And uh, I love that movie uh, more than anything in the entire world. Um, but if you want to answer that question, if you want to get on that conversation, if you want to share with us what your favorite Star Wars movie is or what Star Wars movie have you seen, um, then go over to Creative <laughs> Talks. Uh, go over to Facebook. Join the Creative Talks group. That's CRTV Talks. So uh, go go check that out. And, um, yeah, we'll be posting that question Monday. Um, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, Solo will be up there for some people because I'm I'm really highly doubting it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, but uh, we'll hopefully see. it will be. Could be fun. We'll I I like Donald Glover. So Donald Glover is an American treasure, and yes, uh, yes he is. I'll defend that forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love how eerily silent Emily is when we talk about movies. She's like, nope, right, this like, is not my lane. I am em staying quiet. Well, em Emily, just so we know, like, what was the last movie you saw? Like, so we know, like, we have a feel. So, like, next Tomb time we Raider. do a movie talk. Oh, that was oh. a good one. That's yeah. a little predictable, movie. but good. Yeah. And last night I watched the original Tomb Raider. Um, with. Uh, nah. Yeah, I didn't with, really uh, like it. I'm going to say it's Jolie. not as good as the new one. Yeah, it's oh, not. The old one definitely yeah. is not as good as no. the new one. No. 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 Okay. My genres are chick flick or as I call them, warrior chick flicks. Like strong <laughs> female leads. Yeah. That's so like, not. 
so you're not into like typical chick flicks or you are is that no i am yeah oh you but, are okay, but then good. i like my strong female lead ones too so okay yeah there you so go. like definitely maybe do you like that movie yes yep okay all right it's been a while since i've seen that one forget paris i've not seen that Ooh, that's You've a got classic mail. billy forget crystal paris. one oh it's okay. so good have you, seen, have you seen you got mail yeah a long uh, time do you ago like you got mail i haven't i'd have to watch it again it's oh. been forever that's I like, just you guys it. are picking I, I old watch, ones. <laughs> this is the last time we watched a chick flick. Yeah. That was probably the last bad. time Ross and I were dating. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, your wives don't make well, you my, watch chick flicks now? <laughs> Forget Paris is very old, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Probably yeah. older than both of you. Well, once well, once you get married, five years in the marriage, I don't, I don't know if it's the same for Ross, but, I mean, chick flicks start becoming less of the norm. See, I married a woman who loves to go to superhero and action movies mm. with me, so... Um, are and again not officially endorsed by this podcast, but we're having a date this week to Deadpool two. See, so same here. Me and my wife literally we we love movies. Like Lid and I are addicted to going to the movies. We were there Thursday night to watch Deadpool. Oh, that's awesome! And we 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 freaking loved it. Now again, like Ross said, this is not endorsed by the podcast. Um, <laughs> if you are language and Emily, uh, do not go watch it. Okay. <laughs> Emily, yeah, essentially, this is an Emily do not see list. Oh goodness, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, there are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, you need to subscribe and you need to add us onto your favorite podcatcher. Um, we also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. And you can review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure. And the more people that find us can inform us on what exactly the royal wedding is and mm -hmm. the proper usage of Duchess. And we'll thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can do so by searching our handle, Creative Church. Um, that's where you can find where we posted it. And that's all one word, CRTV Church. Special thanks to Cole for joining us today. You can check out all that he's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on creativechurch.com. That's CRTVChurch.com. And uh, he's doing a lot. So go over there and check out what he's doing because that man is killing it. Very busy. Very busy. Also, thanks to Visual Media Church for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out. Uh, and when you do, you can tag 20% off their um their first month there at visual media church all you gotta do is use offer code creative church that's one word again crtv church um in the meantime i'm nick gunner i'm ross duke of montgomery <laughs> and i'm emily cummins and we will see you next episode Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church. Also, don't forget to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the Creative Church Podcast Network. Yeah.